Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you're while listening to Phyllis Faber. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. Tune in. Get up work with Reverend Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. Phillies favor listeners, welcome to the pastor's office. I want to thank you for joining us today on this Sunday, uh, this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, we are really excited about the program that we're going to bring you today. Uh, you know that we want to bring you at all times uh, relevant content, and I can't think of any content that's more relevant right now uh, than the reopening of our schools, uh, than getting our children back into the classroom safely uh, and helping them to bridge the gap uh, that they've had over this last year uh, from learning at home. Uh, so we want to invite into the pastor's office today the superintendent uh, of the Philadelphia School System, the school district. Uh, we are excited to have him with us, and that is Dr. William Height. Dr. Height, come on into the pastor's office and welcome. Pastor, it's a pleasure to be here in the office, and I'm delighted to talk with you this afternoon. Yes, sir. Well, we know you have a busy schedule, and just the fact that you cleared some time to talk to us, we are truly appreciative. You're talking to uh, a Philadelphia audience uh, today, uh, and I know that they have many questions on their mind uh, relative to the reopening of schools. But before we go there, I just want to ask you personally, how are you doing? Uh, nobody's had to guide a school district through a pandemic before, uh, and and I know you and your colleagues around the country have faced many challenges over this last year. How are you doing? Uh, how's your team doing? Uh, and 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 just 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 talk to us from that level real quick. I appreciate the question, Pastor, and thank you for thank you for asking that. And we're doing much better now that we have children back into some form of in-person learning. So the fact that some children are back in schools is the work that we've been trying to accomplish since we left a year ago on March 13th. And so the simple fact that some children are returning to in-person learning, it puts everyone in much better spirits. And, and it's a step towards normalcy, Pastor, that we hope that we will get to. And everything we do right now is with a full is with a view towards getting children back into full in-person learning next fall. So we know that you're phasing in uh, uh, the reopening, uh, and we're starting with the lower grades. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about this uh, process that you've worked out uh, with the cities and the unions uh, to bring the children back to school? Yes, I'd be delighted to. So earlier this month, through the work of um, Philadelphia Mayor Kenny, uh, and through the work of him and his team, he announced 
the completion of what was a city-led mediation process. And that process was between the School District of Philadelphia and uh, PFT, or the, uh, the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers. And over the last few weeks, that, I mean, the, the result of that mediation meant that over the last few weeks, we've been able to welcome back groups of pre-K through second grade students. And Pastor by Monday, March 22nd, there will be a total of 113 schools serving students in pre-K through second grade. And the goal is for the remaining group of schools with pre-K through second grade students whose families chose hybrid learning um, to be announced on Monday, March 22nd. And so over the next couple of weeks, there are joint readiness reviews. We call them readiness reviews. And we've been working a long time with the PFT and with the mayor and his office and others to come up with that joint readiness review. And that's going to take place to ensure that the district and the PFT are aligned on school readiness for students and staff. And so as a part of the agreement that we arrived with, uh, with the mediation process, air purifiers are replacing the window fans that individuals had a lot of heartburn over. And, the, and we're going to install those in every classroom to ensure that there's adequate ventilation. And when I say every classroom, every classroom that had a window fan, um, we are now replacing those with air purifiers. And then all of the other things that were already in place um, will continue to be in place as we welcome students and staff members back. So well, that, that leads me to a, a question that I wanted to pose to you relative to the buildings. I've spoken to the mayor about this. I've spoken to members of city council about this. I've spoken to uh, some of our representatives in Harrisburg about this. One of the things this pandemic uncovered, and I don't know if we can use the word uncovered, but it certainly heightened our awareness to the fact that there certainly needs to be some renovations to our buildings. Uh, we've got a lot of buildings that are older, uh, 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 housing our children. Uh, 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 aside from the fact that we're welcoming children back into the school right now, do you see in the future really working with the city, working with the state to get these buildings renovated properly uh, so that they are ready to move into the future, uh, a, a future that you never know could see another pandemic? Um, uh, that, that's something I think our listeners really want to hear about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's such an important question, Pastor, and, and, and I like the question, and the reason I like it is because it's more than just doing simple repairs, because everyone, I, I hope a lot of people recognize that the average age of buildings in the city of Philadelphia is 70 years old, and many are over 100 years old, and so we have buildings that are all that are good structures, but they are very old buildings, and so in many they don't have the, the the electrical standards to even run a window air condition. In some cases, um, in other cases, you you have very small and tight spaces, and then you have all of the environmental issues that are associated with buildings that are that are that old. And so, yes, is the answer to your question. But we not only want to go in and make repairs, we want to have a more significant capital improvement strategy, almost a vision, if you will, of what our buildings should become. And looking at, it as a tw looking at this as a 21st century educational environment and doing a major capital campaign to 
renovate our buildings to ensure that regardless of where children attend school in the city, they will be in a 21st century educational environment. And that's, that's a much larger and, and bigger strategy than just making repairs. And the repairs have to be made in right. buildings, but by the same token, we want to we think really about how do we ensure as a city that the children that we educate in public schools are in 21st century educational environments, and that's going to be a much larger campaign. And we're starting down that process. We're starting down the road to that process with, uh, with, with two things that have happened recently. One was the $100 million commitment that was made to the school district by the University of Pennsylvania to address some of the environmental issues. The other is uh, the American recovery or, or the COVID relief bill that the, the, the Congress just passed and it was been signed by the, by the president. And that bill is going to provide significant revenue to the city of Philadelphia. And we want to also use uh, some of those revenues to really continue to um, make the needed repairs in their buildings so that they are more adequate um, for our young people. And and that that's all good news, all welcome news. Uh, we you know, and and I've got to say to you, Superintendent, I I was praying for you last year. Uh, I really was, and for your team, because uh, another thing that we 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 really saw uh, when we had to send the children home uh, is that in some zip codes. Uh, in 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 some neighborhoods, uh, you've got children who are living with grandmothers, aunts, um, yeah. uh, 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 and living in conditions where there is no Wi-Fi in the house, uh, right. where grandmom couldn't help them set up the computer a- as hard as she tried. Uh, I had members here; we had to go to their houses to some of them and help them get the children set That's up right. for learning. Uh, and and I knew that was a difficult challenge, but guess what? Everybody expected you to have an answer. Everybody expected your team to have an answer. Uh, And and it's like, wait a second, we're all new to this too. Uh, So I, I, I think that... I think that we had to give some grace uh, in that situation while certainly being concerned uh, about continuing the education for our children. What has that taught you, taught your team, and, and, and how are we looking to make sure that those in the lower income bracket, uh, in those underserved communities, have the resources they need to make sure that they're educated properly going forward? And, and Pastor, that's so important, and what you just what you just described. And we we always knew about the inequities that existed, uh, but I will tell you, this pandemic laid bare the inequities that exist Absolutely. between and amongst communities in the city of Philadelphia, and like many urban centers around the country. And to your point, school for many of our children were the places where. Over seven hours each day, children had access to nutrition, health care, not health care, but their medicine, to shelter for many of our children who are unfortunately in homeless circumstances, to individuals who cared about them, to educational spaces where there was quiet and it allowed them to focus and study. Um, and, and so it, it is... So when that is taken away, to your point, then it's almost like every person for his or herself. And as you indicated, there are individuals who are learning English. There are individuals who are grandparents, 
who have not only been associated with technology themselves, who are all of a sudden trying to help their young people. But I will say the thing that it has taught me is that it, it is that we got we got to where we are today from working together. And I think that as we talk about how do we navigate a pandemic, it, that is the way we do it. We're going to do it together. And this is this is nothing that you or I or anyone else who is uh, currently living has lived through before. And so we were all navigating this as new. And as you indicated, everyone wanted the answer when right. we were all trying to find answers in many circumstances. But I say, I will say the opportunity that presented itself as a result of this, these opportunities were significant. So for the first time, all of our families had access now have access to technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we have to help people set it up, but everyone had access. Everyone now have access has access to a computing device. Everyone has access now to uh, free Wi-Fi or Internet service, and that's either through a hotspot or through an agreement that we now have with Comcast. We've now distributed some 8 million meals since we have been out of school. So we wanted to ensure that individuals still had access uh, to those types of opportunities. But the thing that it has taught me through this pandemic is that we, we've had individuals like yourself and, and, the, and your church and congregation who has, come, who has come together with the district and all others to provide what our young people and their families need. And we've had the same thing from the philanthropic community, from businesses. Uh, Comcast allowed us to provide children with access to the Internet. They also supplied uh, monies to ensure that children had computer devices. The owners of the 76ers uh, provided funds to ensure that children had computing devices. We had individuals to ensure that meals were delivered and that services were provided. And so these were, these were significant things that happened. And I, I will also add that our, our, coll- our teachers and staff members have been extraordinary during this process. And many people would say, well, they're not in their buildings, but those individuals had never stopped working um, with their young people, albeit they were all learning to do it differently, just as children and families were, but they never stop their commitment to our young people, and I want to applaud and acknowledge all of them as well. That word coming together, or that, that, that statement coming together is really, uh, it was inspiring in many respects to see how the community came together to support the children. Yeah. You know, I can tell you right here at, at, at the church I pastor, Northeast Baptist, we were serving lunch every day uh, to these kids yep. because we knew that meal was essential. Uh, uh, yep. And they could come and grab and go and get their lunch. We went out and bought 20 computers because it was before you guys gave the laptops out. Yeah. Uh, uh, to the students, and I saw churches all over the city coming together to make that happen. Uh, and, and in keeping with the theme of coming together, this is critical. We understand that nothing can replace classroom learning. We understand that nothing can replace that interaction between student and teacher. I don't know that I liked it too much when I was a child in school out there in Abington, Pennsylvania, because I was always getting in trouble. But but later in life, I realized the value of that interaction. Uh, these children have been out of school now for a year. A year. It's hard to believe 
a year. And we understand that some children learn differently. You know, I'm a visual learner. Uh, uh, there are some children that, that need to ask those questions. They need to be around their teacher to get that help. I don't think any of us can deny the fact that some of our children have fallen behind. How do we now come together to help catch them up and get them where they need to be so that they can continue to move forward? Yeah, thank you for that question as well, Pastor. And one of the things I talked about earlier was the recent passage of the COVID relief bill. And that is, uh, that is some significant uh, one-time monies that are going to come to the school district of Philadelphia, over a billion dollars that will come to us. And 20% of that must be used to address this notion of interrupted learning or loss of learning. And so we, we need to be thoughtful about it because these funds are one time. Well, right. once we spend them, once we spend the, those monies, that, that money is gone. But a significant portion of those funds will be set aside for learning recovery and learning acceleration over the next three years because, Pastor, it may take that long, particularly for some of our youngest young people, to accelerate to the point of where they should have been had they not missed the year. And, and you, you said children have been out for a year. Think about it if a child was in kindergarten last year, and the, now the child is in first grade, and that child has been out of school since last March. Um, and so it, not that the child hasn't been educated since last March, but not in a face-to-face environment. At right. the time when they're developing and have the ability to learn the most, that they will learn during their school um, career. So a lot of the money will be uh, addressed to those types of acceleration programs. This is tutoring. This is mentoring. These are summer programs. These are before and after school programs. These are enrichment programs that will engage young people. Another portion of the monies will be set aside for to deal with the social and emotional aspects of children returning from the pandemic. And we know that for many of our young people and their families, they've un- they had the unfortunate experiences of, of things that were traumatic, and they, are, and they will need additional supports. And so we're also working to ensure that we can provide those additional supports to young people. And then the third part is something that I already talked about. We're going to use the money to really begin addressing the issues of our, uh, our old buildings and really begin to begin focusing on the repairs of those buildings so that we can get children into faci- educational facilities that are 21st century educational facilities. And, and I will once again say together is how we will do this work which means that if individuals like Northeast, if, if individual institutions or places of worship like Northeast Baptist wants to be a part of this, they may be able to, to either host a program in, 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 your, in your place of worship or at the school um, in a before or after care type program that would then be an extension of what children would get during the school day um, and we need to do that over a period of time to ensure that we're accelerating the learning that we know has been interrupted as a result of this pandemic. 
Well, Dr. Hyde, I can tell you, you can count us in, uh, and you can certainly, and, uh, and there are several other churches in the area that I know will join in that effort because, uh, you know, I hate, to, I hate to use terms that are so common, but the children are our future. Uh, and, right. and one of the difficulties of this pandemic has been watching our children become disconnected uh, uh, yes. from what has been their norm. I was talking to a member last night, you know, and I haven't seen some of our children in a year. Uh, and yeah. some of them have grown five inches since the last time we saw them. Uh, and it's it's just amazing what this thing has done uh, to our young people. Listen, you're listening to Philly's Favorite 100.7 FM, 99.5 HD3. We are in the pastor's office with the superintendent of the Philadelphia School District, Dr. William Height. Uh, Dr. Height, again, we appreciate your time. We only have a few more minutes with you. So I want to I want to address the teachers. Uh, you, A couple of your principals go to my church. Um, uh, we've got some teachers here uh, at the church, and 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 I know that there have been concerns about their safety, about their health, uh, uh, going back into the classroom. Why don't you share with the Philadelphia audience a little bit about how we're making sure uh, that our teachers are going to be safe, that the learning environment now is going to be safe, and then as you talk about that, when we're going to start phasing in the additional grades uh, to get these children back in school. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And so uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about the conditions for our teachers because that's one of the most important things that we're thinking about, both the safety of our staff members, particularly our educators and our young people, uh, the children that we serve. And, Pastor, we've done a lot uh, to enhance the health and safety of all um, schools in multiple ways. And we, we've now put in place extensive health and safety protocols for students and adults. And and I've talked a lot about, like, the PPE that is in place, inventories for all staff and students to support mandatory mask wearing and, and facial covering in schools. We've had new classroom and bathroom setups to ensure the appropriate distancing, uh, all kinds of touchless hand sanitizer stations in hallways and entry, entry places in the school, plexiglass partitions in offices and, and in classrooms cleaning supply stations in classrooms, and then uh, the maximum occupancy signs in every area where individuals um, could congregate. And, and that's based on the ventilation assessments that we did in schools. We have enhanced cleaning protocols. Additionally, though, we now have a process of making available uh, vaccinations for all district employees. And so those employees who chose to get vaccinated can make appointments through a program managed by the Children's Hospital. I want to give a big shout-out to the Children's Hospital for making that available to educators. Vaccinations are not required of our staff, but we do hope that district employees will take advantage of that opportunity. In addition, CHOP is also providing ample supplies of rapid testing kits, and we will make rapid testing available for all teachers and staff members in schools as well, and that's going to help detect positive COVID cases and prevent the spread of the virus. And so it, we will have all adults who will be tested each week and 20% of the student populations tested randomly each week so that we will ensure that individuals who test positive are isolated from everyone else so that we can prevent the spread of the virus as best we can. And to your other question, once we get all of the current pre-K through 
second graders in, and by the week after, uh, a, couple, a couple of weeks from now, we should have all of those schools open for that. We're going to reopen that process for other individuals in that grade band, and then we're going to begin probably the second or third week in April expanding the grades um, so that we can get other children in elementary schools back to school and maybe even through middle school and some high school students as well. So we are looking forward to, at some point, getting as many children back into some form of in-person learning uh, during this school year. And as I indicated, uh, this, year will also, this year will also continue for some children right on through the summer, but we're, it's all with a view towards getting all children into some form of full-person, full in-person learning opportunities in the fall. Dr. Height, I want to thank you for uh, coming into the pastor's office today. I got to tell you, we see some light at the end of the tunnel now. Uh, Indeed, we see we some do. light at the end of the tunnel because we we see vaccinations uh, uh, increasing on a daily basis, and that's yeah. that's wonderful. Uh, we see some light at the end of the tunnel also because those that have been put in position uh, uh, to help us, from the health department to the to the fire department to the you know police. Department, Department and to the school district are working together to pull this thing, uh, 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 make it what it needs to be, to bring our children back, to bring our communities back. And so I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, I want to thank you for for being steadfast in your commitment uh, uh, to our young people. And anything that we can do here at Philly's Favor to help you, uh, just know that we're a phone call or a text away. And certainly in the faith community, we're ready to stand because without our children, we've got no future. So, sir, thank you for coming in the pastor's office today, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon and working with you in the future. Pastor Mason, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me to the pastor's office. All right, sir. Have a great one. You do the same. Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Yeah. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. Right. the frequency, yeah. tune in. Get up, word. With Reverend Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. Just for a minute, just for a minute, let's talk about it just for a minute.